Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. We record this at 8.30 on Fridays, Pacific Standard Time. And we, it's a great panel show. I think it's great. I enjoy it. Uh, we've got a great panel and we've got a guest panelist. We've got Curtis McHale. Um, a great part of the WordPress community. Would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers, Curtis? Sure. Uh, my name's Curtis. I've been doing this for, I don't know, 10-ish, year 10-ish, 12-ish years. And I do mainly membership sites when I do some coding, but I do a lot more coaching other stuff because my original training is actually as a counselor. So. Oh, that's great. And we've got Morton. Morton, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Hey, I'm Morton from LinkedIn Learning. And I have opinions about things. <laughs> and you're giving up on Twitter, haven't you? <coughs> yeah. Uh, well, you'll be back. Not too so. toxic. Uh, so you'll be back. So. Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, sure. And my friend, John Locke, um, not to introduce yourself. John Locke, and uh, I help manufacturing and industrial companies with SEO. And I've got Uncle Spence with me. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, Spencer Foreman from WP Launchify. And I've got Sally. Would you like to introduce yourself, Sally? Hey, good morning. I'm Sally Getch, the WP Fangirl, organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California, and your token female for the day. <laughs> well, when, you, when I get other females, you don't shut up. You don't shut up. Yeah, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a rough... Uh, a rough couple of months, but uh, right, I go. think I should be here more consistently from now on. Right, fair enough. But I am going to the Women in WP uh, 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 virtual uh, happy hour this evening. Oh, I'll well, rustle nice. up some other ladies to join the show. I will ask if anybody wants to be on the panel. Everybody's welcome. If they've got opinionated and they, you know, they don't care if their name becomes mud. They're okay. most welcome. Uh, Rob, I, I never pay attention to whether my name is Mud. My clients don't seem to think so. So, <laughs> right, there we go. Let's get started. Um, Pluginvulnerabilities.com is protecting WordPress.org support forum. What is uh, protesting WordPress support forum moderators by publishing zero day vulnerabilities? Well, that's a catchy headline if I ever read one. Uh, Rob, Curtis, <laughs> what did you think of this little one? Uh, my first thought was I purposely skipped the article the first time because I don't have time for that. I guess I'll read it because I'm coming on the show. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It seems like someone who's trying to prove a point that I'm not convinced they even have one. And especially releasing zero day vulnerabilities like that, that seems, that's just not best practice in the industry, right? Like at all, you let somebody know, you give them, was Google is 90 days, there's their like auto publish. And then you, you know, then you publish your research once it's been updated. So I don't know. It seems... Again, like something I just don't have time for, so I didn't pay attention to it the first time it went through. There we go. What did you reckon about it, Walton? This story surfaced outside of the WordPress community almost a week before it surfaced inside the WordPress community. That's scary. Yeah. And it just happened to coincide with when I left Twitter, so I didn't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it's... Uh, <clears throat> It actually first surfaced on Bleeping Computer on, uh, oh, I'm exaggerating, on April 12th. That was when it was first announced. Um, uh, and uh, it was, I think this is, um, this particular story is a lot about a specific individual who's doing something really, really, really stupid and irresponsible um, that would might end that individual up in a legal situation at some point because you could totally sue him for doing stuff like this. Um, but <clears throat> the underlying story is uh, one of a systemic problem within the WordPress community, which is there is no... like When community break, and the com communication breaks down, um, people aren't... Uh, helped to process that in a rational way. So they end up feeling like they've been 
just rejected by the entire community for doing things. Like in this case, a security researcher who says that there are a lot of issues and keeps flagging them and gets no response or is ignored completely. And then the question is, <clears throat> like the particular thing that this person is doing is really stupid. Um, but the underlying issue, which is a lot of security issues that are raised are, are just ignored. That's something I've seen from many security people, um, both inside and outside the WordPress community that are talking about WordPress security. And that is the fundamental problem that we need to deal with as a community, that when experts come in and say there's an issue here and we don't deal with the issues, that's really irresponsible too. So. Yeah, uh, also, um, I'm going to put this to John. Um, there seems to be um, lately there's been kind of more security issues with kind of third-party plugins. But de- I definitely agree with Moulton what this guy's been doing on the forum. I I would kick him out, really. It's really a bit dicey. What do you reckon, John? Yeah, so there have been security um, and this seems to be a cycle because, you know, uh, about four years ago, there was a, a, a security vulnerability in Revolution Slider that was covered up for like eight months. Uh, but, you know, recently we had the social warfare uh, thing and then the really bad thing with uh, the PipDig themes where it was being employed for DDoS attacks and Bitcoin mining and all this other stuff. Um, I, it seems to me that, yeah. Uh, the way that this guy went about it, he's trying to drum up business for his security um, service by exposing zero days, which I think is, that's not a good way to do it. Um, It's definitely not going to be accepted by the WordPress community. But um, with something that you said makes sense, there ought to be like a little bit more oversight perhaps in the, you know, plugin review and theme review teams, maybe like some additional people. I know there's a lot of volunteers, but, you know, these are servicing like 33% of the web, 34% of the web. There needs to be more than two people like having oversight. It's just crazy. Yeah. What do you reckon, Spencer? This, This whole situation is a symptom of the larger disease. And... We're joking about it at the beginning. I don't have any ill will or feel that either of the two individuals that are continually stuck in the middle of this, which is Otto and Mika, if I'm saying that right, are responsible or ill willed individually. But this disease is this was a granola hippie community that grew out organically, and now it's become a real business that a lot of people use for their livelihood. I want to take a quote from Curtis because I felt the same way. It's like, You can get yourself riled up at how repetitive this sort of stupidity continues to be, or you decide, I I just can't take it anymore, almost like watching Fox News or CNN or something. It's like, I just turn off the channel. So I want to preface this comment by saying, I don't personally have anything to win or lose if Mika or Otto or this or Matt or who cares? There'll be something in its place. But to the extent that this is a pretty cool platform and a community, it does seem to be a shame they're just repeating the same steps we see in human relationships, both, you know, personal and politically, you know, one party takes over something and decides to do what they want, i.e. jetpack becoming the do as I say, not as I do. Then the people who care about things like vulnerability, who try to speak up, get squashed by the same people who just happen to be the henchmen for that do as I say, not as I do thing. And they're also running the approval process and they're in between this and they're in between that. And so everybody sort of takes this approach like either F it, I'm just walking away, or like this person, he kind of called out a Chris Pearson move, which is like Hail Mary pass. It did something ridiculously stupid and insane out of sheer frustration at like, look at all I've done and now this is what I get for it. And it reminds me that poor young lady who, you know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I think it was Kristen, but you know, who had the illness and had to walk away from being a participant. It's like, this is a repeating pattern. So I asked the question, because I still have a bet on the table, just as a bystander, will this lead to somebody finally officially forking it and putting a real infrastructure in place like the governance project? Or will these guys decide to change their ways in some way? I really doubt it, but it's clear there's a motivation that's not aligned with the whole community. Here we go. Uh, Let me toss something in really quick. Uh, There are two forks. 
Mm. Classic press and integrate press. Yep, there it certainly is. What do you reckon, Sally? Uh, you don't want to uh, uh, let Morton speak to the governance. Um, <clears throat> well, we, we should let Morton speak to the uh, to the governance. Uh, I, I haven't been following governance that closely, but I never noticed that they were thinking forking anything because um, they have enough to cope with. Uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, this is terrible practice in terms of security to go and publish this stuff if, if you follow the security world at all, which I did for a while because I had a, a client in that field. Um, you know, there's a thing called responsible disclosure. Uh, but the, you know, I have heard from other people about cases of, you know, hey guys, I found this, you know, security vulnerability and that gets ignored and that's frustrating. And it does suggest that something needs to change and that with that, you know, while the response is inappropriate, it doesn't mean the problem is, is not there. And uh, in a way it comes back to uh, other problems that, you know, the reason that you have, uh, you know, two people approving plugins is that it's a volunteer based system uh, or it was when I was uh, noticing it, it before. And, um, so, uh, you know, how many people have you, for, for years, it was like Mika and Pippin reviewing all of the plugins that came into the, to, to the repo, because uh, how many people have the, the time or energy or the skill to sit there and go through all of the plugins, even to see if they pass, you know, kind of a, a minimal security test. Uh, and I, you know, it is going to, staffing is a problem in any volunteer-based system. Yep, it certainly is. Right, on to the next story. But before that, I want to talk about one of my great sponsors, and that would be WP Fusion. What is WP Fusion, my beloved listeners and viewers? Well, in your technology stack, obviously, you should have WordPress, and then you, in, we are in 2019, you should have a CRM. Something like Active Campaign Drip. There's a whole load of them. And by the way, WP Fusion supports them all, um, or most of them, a, a very large list. And what it does, it really puts the, it really allows your WordPress website to really communicate with your CRM. And if you've got a membership website, a learning management system, WooCommerce website, that kind of um, integration is what you need for 2019. That's really interesting. Go to the WP Fusion site. And by the way, they're giving us exclusive offers to you, listeners and viewers. You will get 25% of any of the packages. Um, all you have to do is use the coupon code WPTONIC, uppercase, and you'll get 25% off. And uh, what the developer has been telling me, a lot of you have been using that. So, um, on to the next story. Um, YouTube premium subscribers might soon get $2 monthly to send to their favorite creators. Um a little story, but I thought it, was, it had some interesting overtones. Um, blah, blah, blah. Let's go with Spencer. What did you think of this one, Spencer? Uh, I have kids, three boys, age 8 to 18, and they play a lot of video games. And so they continue to share with me how certain online gamers make a fortune, essentially through a sponsorship model. So I'm not saying I have an opinion about this, but this is logical, at least to me, that, all right, YouTube's got plenty of money. Instead of jamming a thousand more ads per minute down my throat or trying to sell me YouTube premium every 16 seconds, which by the way, if you're stupid enough to actually try it and then cancel it, then they punish you by degrading your, your regular user experience. That's been documented. But this at least makes sense. You know, give me some cash and I'll spend it on the people that I want. And that'll tell you who's the one that's making the most, you know, money. So I like the idea. Oh, I just love that. The company does no evil. If you dare to unsubscribe, you can. Yeah, pull up the story, but that was like ridiculous because I would probably pay for it. But after I read several people saying it was factual, and if I'm, I'm wrong, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, I was like, oh, I don't want to go down that road because it's already troublesome enough. So. so what did you reckon about this one, Curtis? Uh, it was interesting. I mean, I do some YouTube stuff. I would love to monetize at some point and do other things to make some more money for the 
you know, honestly massive investment that video takes, <laughs> takes forever to do it. Um, yeah, I think it would be great. I don't know. My first thought was actually of my children who are young and they follow this lady who unwraps toys who has like crazy fingernails and again, makes millions of dollars. <laughs> And has like a screechy, screechy voice. Like they watch it. I'm like, seriously, they're like unwrapping Kinder surprise. And I was like, well, I guess someone could give it a topic for the show, John weekly manicure uh, tips. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Molten. Um, The the other reason I put this in is it's kind of linked to some of our previous discussions, Molten, where about the internet being free and it isn't really free at all. Um, And I think this is, you know, people struggle, you know, this increasing demand for content um, and they struggle and it seems hard to find some way to monetize it. Am I on the right track there, Morton, and you're muted? Yeah, I think so. This is, this is um, like, you can read this in several different ways. The one question that immediately arises from this to me is, does this mean that not as many people are actually paying YouTube subscriber, YouTube creators through Super Chats as was originally expected so that they are kind of trying to nudge people to be aware of the feature and use it by saying, hey, here, take some of your money and put it towards people. Um, that might be an underlying reasoning for this, but overall, this is this is the move that I'm expecting we'll see th- from a lot of creator channels that um, people will be able to push their money towards specific creators instead of uh, just generally spreading it evenly around. Um, it, I think it's necessary to put value to content creation. I fear that this will result in the uh, please like and subscribe and give me super chats money will become the new thing that ends every single YouTube video ever with like, link here. Remember, you have $2. As a $2 should be going to me so I can eat more food. Have you guys seen this mukbang thing that's happening on the internet right now? <laughs> I don't think it yeah, is. Yeah, no, you should definitely look that up and then you'll turn off the... What, what was this about? What's this about? It's, not, it's not offensive. It's literally a trend oh. of people just eating enormous quantities of food. Well, that's the average YouTube. American, isn't and it? And hundreds of thousands of people watching them do it. Um, but when I go to my, when I ever go to my, when I ever go to, I don't my, know. That sounds pretty offensive to me. Well, it's uh, yeah, it must be whatever. bloody offensive to anybody who hasn't got enough to eat. Anyway, the, this is this is the direction we will be going. This pay for content model um, or pay to support model is similar to Patreon, right? It's like YouTube. Yeah. Patreon. YouTube just invented Patreon. Yeah. I, my, my question as a YouTube premium subscriber is, will this suddenly at some point turn into a $2 increase in my fee? I suspect that they'll... Yeah, well, it is your money they're using, right? They'll slowly like up the fee so that they recoup that money that they're giving away. And then all of a sudden, my fee will be $2 more. And they'll be like, see, we're giving $2 for your money. It's like, no, you just took two more dollars from me and forced me to pay the guy who builds guitars out of garbage. To, like, you know, I'll, I'll have a hard time remembering that I need to give $2 to people and picking who I give $2 to because I generally don't follow YouTubers. I just use YouTube for other things. So we won't go there. And I have to say, like YouTube Premium is actually worth the money simply for the complete lack of ads. Yeah, well, but the thing is, yeah, yeah, I I do. do. I've been tempted, but then I I learned what Spencer pointed out, and I thought, "Fuck you, you." But you're if you don't. (laughs) Here's the thing: if you don't have YouTube Premium, you are paying more money to like through being constantly exposed to very, very, very aggressive advertising than you are by paying for YouTube premium. This is the same thing with like, if you pay for HBO, you are actually paying for not being inundated. Yeah, but I can't, be t- can't tell you this. It, it's- and you're not impervious to advertising, Jonathan, even though you... Oh, no, no, I'm not. I like some of the adverts, some of the stuff they show me I'm interested in. It's just when they... It's just they've got this habit of showing you... Rep- repetitively the same product 
that that's the I, washing that. part. Yeah, mm. and I'm absolutely not interested. A lot of it, I'm not. I'm not interested in that particular product. You just like, described advertising. <laughs> that is literally what advertising is. Yeah, but no, well, well, we've had this discussion and we don't agree here. Um, I don't. When you're interested in a product or service and they show you an advert and you're interested in it, I don't think it's much of a problem. When they keep showing you the same freaking thing for days in, on end and it's totally obvious you're not interested in it, I don't know what they do because it actually peeves me off to the extent I will never buy that product ever. Uh, um, but what do you reckon, John? What do you reckon? Yeah, so the worst offender for me with the ads is Grammarly. Like everybody <laughs> I watch is a Grammarly ad. A Monday. I'm never using that fucking CRM ever. Yeah. It's the amount of times they fucking told me that advert. Yeah, it's like productivity <laughs> and collaboration. Y'all need to clear your advertising settings, people, if you keep getting yeah. inundated by the same ads. I, ha, however, um, I think we have t- something to, to, to point out here, which Jonathan did not grow up in America, uh, which means that you were not watching TV uh, as a child in the 70s and, and 80s and seeing all the same ads all the time to the point where like you can still remember all of the jingles. Oh. Uh, oh, that's, that's why Americans are bonkers. Is that the reason? It could be. <laughs> Commercial broadcast TV from, from when we were young. Right. Um, and, and Morton is correct. That is how advertising works. Is it, Sally, it's not, is and repetition and repetition. <clears throat> I'll be my snobby English here, Sally. Obviously, because you've lived there. It's not the BBC really, is it? Uh, no. No, I, I gave up TV at 13 and, um, you know, I, I have to say the YouTube story isn't that interesting to me because mostly I would run a mile before breakfast to avoid watching a video. There you go. What do you reckon, Uncle Spencer? I, well, I mean, I, I think we covered the topic, but, you know, uh, with regard to this mukbang or whatever, there used to be a thing called Epic Food Time, which was one of the big channels on YouTube where this guy Harley and his gang of other guys would make everything like 10 times bigger with bacon. And I it could. was one of the first things. But just to bring it full circle, because I think I'm on the fence. You know, I never leave the house, as you know. And yeah, you never leave it, do you? You, just, you never go to, are you? And, and given a choice of content, when you have, you know, some connection that works modestly well, like, for example, when you want to watch an, a network TV show, it's the same model. It's the kind of bumblebees at a picnic model of forcing people into paying for content. So, for example, if you have no regular cable TV or whatever and you try to watch, let's say, ABC.com, if you catch it at the right time, it's fine. They will jam a thousand commercials, I'm exaggerating, into a 20-minute show. When you watch it on replay, like Shark Tank, even worse, they get 2,000 commercials into it to the point where... It was like three minutes of thing and then six ads, all the same ads, and then all the same ads. You know, so the point I'm getting at is that I do think Morton is really getting to the heart of this, and I am on the fence of just saying, what is my choice? Can I suffer wasting any more of my life on just hitting not relevant, not relevant, not relevant? Or just say F at all, pick one source and just pay for it and call it a day. Because that's the only thing that does make sense at this stage. There's just not enough hours in the day, no matter what you're doing, to keep going like that. There we go. All right, on to the next story. And that, that is for our, um, our guest panelist this week. This is not the WordPress you're looking for. So, Curtis, what made, what made you decide to voice your little video here and your little concerns? And you're muted. Oh, I knew I was muted. I was just waiting. Um, I was testing. <laughs> I, because it just doesn't feel like the WordPress that I remember in many ways. Like I said, I don't know auto outside of trading a few blog comments back and forth over the years that we've interacted online, but I've never, to my knowledge, I've never actually met him or had any other interaction with him. And just the way the, the whole thing around um, Jetpack and recommended was started just didn't, it didn't feel wrong, but it certainly didn't feel right. Um, that it went, that it was going like that. And it felt, I don't know, icky. I looked at it and I was like, this, it just kind of makes me feel like the next Facebook, you know, Facebook had three privacy scandals since then. And I was like, it just kind of feels in the same area with it. And that's not what I remember WordPress being or what I, I guess, hope WordPress is. So that's, 
And that's really it. And again, if the community decided, hey, we're going to do this because I under- I can see an argument for, hey, you already have this plugin installed that has features that you're looking for. And so we're going to recommend that you use it because that's better Then sure. Great. But it was not a community decision. And even the, um, the stuff that Yoast put up seemed more like, to me, face-saving. Like, hey, we'll just we'll, we'll tweak it slightly so it's less obvious as opposed to the Jetpack thing was like, just I'm just going to blatantly mark it at you and we're going to say it's it's for your benefit. But so, I don't know. <laughs> I don't love Jetpack anyways either because it's this, well, I feel, it's, it I feels just, like Chrome I, with RAM. It's just going to keep eating everything. So. I, I despise it, always have. I think it's a load of shit myself, Curtis. I'm sorry. I've always despised. Don't need to apologize to me. I, it has uh, the best markdown support. That's about all I got for it. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, um, poor old Otto, though. He's, he's becoming like a Richard III character. You know, he's, he's like, you know, I, I'm sure he doesn't kill children. And, uh, well, no, and even assuming, like I said in the video, assuming that he is going to make the decision regardless of, you know, who he's employed by. And it, even if he decided, yes, that this is oh, totally okay based on the guidelines and that is, in fact, the correct decision, it just it doesn't feel right. Like as opposed to recusing himself, like I should not make this decision. I said before that I might like, I do stuff with the figure skating club locally for which my wife is an employee. When it comes to any employee thing, I just say, I don't, I don't have a vote and I sit silently during it. Like I don't talk about it during any board meeting, any meeting like that. Individual board members have asked me outside of meetings and I've said stuff, but I like that's for me to vote and have an opinion inside the board is not good. So there we go. What do you reckon, Morton? What do you reckon? Yeah, this is this this whole story. Like it's it's the jetpack thing, and then immediately following the WooCommerce thing, like within the same week, uh, where that's what pushed me over the edge. Finally, is like I gotta say something. Everyone, everyone had the same bad idea simultaneously. Yeah, and it was like the jetpack thing was bad, and then all of a sudden this WooCommerce thing started popping up, and you're like, what are you people doing? Do you not understand what this will result in? Like, you, if you if you were smart about this, you would at least wait a month to let one fire burn up before you created another fire of the same thing. Because now it just looks like a conspiracy. Um, I truly think that um, what is going on here is the plugin review team, which is more than just Mika and uh, Otto, but uh, they are the two... It's all Otto's fault, isn't it? Well, they're the two public-facing people in this, right? Um, (laughs) And they're the ones that speak on behalf of the plugin review team. The plugin review team has been working for a long time on trying to review the plugin review process and change the rules to improve them. And what it feels like is, to some extent, they're trying to change the plugin review system to fall, fall more in line with business orientation so so that they get um, businesses are able to run a business through the WordPress plugin system. And then my guess is that people from Automatic have been paying very close attention to the conversations there and have seen that there's... Uh, they haven't been... They haven't been let me, let me, let me uh, finish this thought and then you can be all crazy. The, they've seen a goalpost goal moving and then they're like, eventually the goalpost will move over here. So we're just going to start pushing the goalpost and see how far we can push it. And this should be fine. And, and then they're saying, what we're basically doing is just saying, you know, solving a user problem by reminding users that you don't need to install a new thing here because you already have a thing. The problem is the thing that they were then promoting is a paid thing in the free plugin, uh, which is highly problematic because then all of a sudden you're pushing away competition and saying, no, no, don't look at the competition. Just look at our solution because we are the biggest, right? And um, Carl Hancock brought up a very important question here, which is if he did this, so Carl Hancock would be uh, Gravity Forms. uh, If he did this, would it just pass? No, because they've tried some, something like this in the past and they got smacked down super hard. And then a bunch of other plugin developers also came and said, hey, we tried this and we got smacked down immediately. Like it never made it to the, the repository. It was shut down way before that. So it feels like the goalpost is being moved for automatic, right? Which is a terrible, it, it has, has what they call bad optics, Right, but then when WooCommerce like comes and does this something very similar, 
directly afterwards, then it's like, oh no, oh no, it's actually a conspiracy because now it's like the two, the two com- people in the same company are doing it. But then you start wondering, is this happening because those two entities within Automatic aren't talking to each other? So they're not coordinating? Or is this an actual coordinated thing that's just really poorly planned out? But Carl, Carl's point is valid. Like, why is it that Automatic can move the goalposts, but other people can't? And then what Yoast did when he came in and said, oh, well, this is a problem we need to fix. I'm going to try to change core. To me, that didn't read like Yoast trying to protect Automatic. To me, that read like Yoast going, awesome. So now Yoast products are going to cram your interface full of things and just completely... They've never never done that, have they, really? I used to do your bloody plugins, have you? No, but like, that's Yoast. That's Yoast. Yoast is a business person. He is a very aggressive business person. And of course, he would jump on this and go, oh, you know, you, you move this cold post, I will like cement it into the ground right here, right now, before anyone has a chance to do anything Yes, and, and that's the thing. Once everybody starts doing it, it's terrifying. Yeah, it destroys everything. Windows Which is 90. what I said on Twitter. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> goodbye, <laughs> you people. See, this okay. is why I started talking about it in private Slack channel with other people and not... <laughs> And we didn't. Oh, so that. They get onto Twitter, upset the fuckers. That's what I say. You're uh, swearing so much today, Jonathan. Oh, I swear. This is Morton, you're contagious. I'm swearing. I'll probably uh, get. <laughs> but I do make it adult only. I do make it clear. Uh, um, so, you know, don't let you. Gosh, some people might subscribe and be really disappointed. <laughs> I just think that mood. I just think it's a load of crap. It's got, got me off of the, this YouTube story and their bloody adverts. What do you reckon, Spencer? Well, <clears throat> well I suppose we already know Otto's not on the list. You're not a fan boy of poor old Otto, are you? I, I watched that uh, Dick Cheney movie a couple of weeks ago. And it just, again, I, I'll draw the parallel to politics and administration. A man that kills his friend. So, so what? I, well, the point is that you're, you're just... You're too innocent as a human being if you believe the world is as they teach you in school and everything. The world works in the way that it has always worked. But the point is, drawing a parallels between this company and, let's say, the politics of any administration. The thing that I see happening here is it's nothing bad about the henchmen, Mika or Otto. They just happen to be forced out because in the old days, they're like, again, like, Sally said there was only two people that would bother taking on a Sisyphean task of looking at all these plugins and so forth. But now they're wearing the hats for everything, much like, let's say, our current administration. But when you look even at the parallels of what happened with the Bush thing, whatever, it was like that whole thing in the movie was about how can we take the system that was designed for this, like, uh, hippies running a blueberry farm of our constitutional rights and turn it into a private money-making endeavor even if that means an abuse of power. So look at the parallels here. Matt probably had greatest intentions all along, but as we've talked about in endless shows, at some point, the the VCs were likely influential in his decision. Let's push this baby off the cliff, you know. And now he's got to execute on that with the team that he has. So those kind of white hat players that used to be like, oh, Otto, you're so great. Oh, Mickey, you're so great. Now it's like they have to be the bad faces in every single, you know, news show about everything that's going on. And they're doubling down on their efforts of bad stuff they're doing, probably because they feel like if we just like give the medicine one time all at once, we'll get over this. If we let it go slower, we'll never get where we're going because people will stop us. I personally sit back and I'll take Curtis's decision on this, which was in his video, which is the frustration and anger that comes is sort of from a friend you knew your whole life who you realize is now of the other political party and you can't stand to have dinner or talk to them at all because you look them in the face and like, for God's sake, how could you think this way when I thought you were a human being all along? Well, that's that's not American. Some of my best friends are right. It could could be political anywhere, but I'm saying it's not. I like a good argument. They don't want to shoot me. It's not like they're they're bad human beings, but what it comes to is like we're all playing in this drama. Bloody Americans. You need to to bloody grow up. Well, whatever. I'm just saying to the extent you're talking about this drama. Personally, I've taken the approach of, okay, I don't really care other than when we're having conversations like this, because whatever this thing is going to do, it's going to do. 
I feel bad for people who have truly their livelihood tied up in being something in that ecosystem. Whereas for me, my clients don't really care if it's WordPress or anything else, but it's just, it feels as uncomfortable as it does when I find out that some of my friends are like wearing MAGA hats or something like that. It's like, come on. But does it mean they're bad people? No, it just means that they've taken the choice. I just want to say something about this. I've been thinking a little bit about this and I, I express my views to John and I, I'll be interested. Basically, I think at the core of this, there's a, fun, there's a fundamental reason caused by this. And the fundamental reason is you can't take these VC money and also run an open source project. And then what Matt has tried to do, and he, he managed to kind of juggle those two polar opposites. You know, you can't, you know, trying to, you know, I'm even amazed that the VCs even gave him the money, but he, he is very persuasive. Um, but it's a contradiction in terms, having an open source project and also taking a load of bloody money from VCs. To me, it's like night and day. It's like... Um, it's heat and cold, it, the two things. And he's juggled it very well for a number of years. But I think I think things are hotting up for him. Uh, what do you reckon, John? Right. Now, there's layers to this whole thing. And I, I think there's an increasing number of people who are disillusioned with the, the WordPress um just the WordPress project, the WordPress community, and there's, a, there's different layers to it. For me, there's a lot of different layers to it. Um, and I think for everybody, it's, it's a little bit different. One, you know, <clears throat> automatic... I like, I like the animal noises, John. It's like a scene of an animal farm. Oh, cool, cool. Oh, right, right. But, but definitely, like, um, uh, <laughs> like <laughs> automatic is in full-on monetization mode. They've taken VC money, and as we've talked about before. I don't think that Matt really has a choice. He has to implement these things um, to get the return on the VC money. So for every dollar of VC money that that puts in, they got to make like 10 or 100 back or whatever. They're obviously going for a moonshot. So the people that work at Automatic, of course, they're the henchmen as we, we talked about. They're invested in it because they feel they're doing the right thing. It's their jobs on the line. Also, people who are, who I say like their identity, their whole identity and their fame and their money is all tied up in being identified as a WordPress expert. Um, those people are not going to publicly speak uh, to this. Even if they feel that way, um, they're going to, you know, hold back a lot of it because they have to make sure that they're still in with the right people uh, that are in positions of power. For me, there's a lot of disillusionment um, with it as well. And I think a lot of it, it has to do with, I mean, there's a lot of cool people. People on this panel are good people, but there's a lot of people who are like really clicky, um, you know, two dozen people or so that think that they are the WordPress community, uh, which is, it's weird. It's like how 33% of the web can be, um, you know, WordPress, but yet only a handful of people really truly represent WordPress. And also other things that just rub me the wrong way, uh, such as, you know, how, I'll just say it, like how Yoast became the the marketing director of, of WordPress. It just, a lot of it just is icky to me. Uh, so for me, there's a lot of different layers of disillusionment and a lot of people feel the same way. This project is basically, it's it's being presented as open source and people are like, you know, we're going to pay our company employees to do five for the future. But really, it's all, you know, building up this this thing uh, that Automatic is going to make money off of. It doesn't really make sense to me in the same way. Like Spencer said, it used to be a hippie granola community, and now it's something totally different. Uh, it it it's, feels like more corporate to me. That's that's the only way I can put it. So. All right. Um, we're going to go for a break, folks. We'll be back in a few moments with a couple of other stories. Be back soon. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. 
So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. Coming back, I've been foul mouthed. I'm in a grumpy mood, listeners and viewers. Anyway, I don't know why. Really, I'm so I'm so old, old. Uh, um, but there we go. And we got we had animal sounds, chickens. No pigs though. Curtis, Curtis just looks like, what the hell did I come on this show? Yeah, but there we go. Uh, um, he's, a, he's seen it all. He, he's a man. He's been, you love your wilderness, don't you, Curtis, don't you? I do. I try to spend as much time as I can out in the mountains, like a big panorama of my daughter and her first snow hike on a mountain last September, end of September. Yeah, that's what I do. I go into nature when I've dealt with the cesspool of WordPress. There we go. Uh, right, right, there we are. Uh, um, and um, our beloved Morton's given up on Twitter because of that, you know, but he'll be back. He'll be back. I'm sure of it. All right, let's get, let's get on with it. On to the next one. Um, a man I tried to get on my own podcast. He was very polite in saying, no, I'm not coming on your polite podcast. Um, but elegance of nothing. Uh, I think it's just a fantastic title. Um, John, you kind of sent this to me. Um, what did, why did you like this one from our insightful marketer guru? Yeah, definitely. So, like I said, like Seth Godin holds a special place in my heart. Like when I first uh, was learning web design, I used to, you know, ride the bus and uh, I would read Seth Godin's daily blog on my little uh, pink uh, uh, razor phone. Um, and a lot of that was inspiration, you know. Uh, but this particular one, I saw a lot of people sharing it. Uh, and he talks about the idea of what a brand is, what design is. And really what he touches on is branding and design It and how we perceive companies. It's all part of the same thing. And one of the things that he says in here is, a brand is not a logo, um, and this paragraph, if Nike announced that they were opening a hotel, you'd have a good idea about what it would be like. But if Hyatt announced that they were going to start making shoes, you'd have no idea whatsoever what those shoes would be like. And that is because Nike owns a brand, and Hyatt simply owns real estate. And there's certain brands that we feel this way about. Uh, Apple has a lot of loyalty. Uh, you know, Nike, there's, there's other brands out there that because they stand for something, um, the design of their company and their products, it makes you feel a certain way. Um, it's, it's really hard to quantify, uh, but it's basically separating yourself from all the other commodity products through every facet of the business from the, from the culture to your messaging, the design of the product, just everything just unifies to have this sort of message and give you a feeling about that brand. So it's, it's a long game, but it's, you know, and a person I, I think is a good example from this panel, um, uh, Chris Badgett from Lifter LMS, like the, the, the things that he's doing, he said uh, recently, a lot of people are turning toward automation. They just put a phone number on their website. Um, that's something that he's trying to do to make his brand stand out from the competition. So, Yeah, what do you reckon on this one, Curtis? That made me think of Patagonia, which I happen to be wearing my sweater and have lots of their stuff. Um, I actually just finished reading uh, his book called Let My People Go Surfing, which is all about the design of his company from like how they do their best to ethically source everything to an ad that said, hey, don't buy new stuff and gave the schedule for where they can repair your stuff. I think Patagonia, to be honest, Patagonia's got a warehousing facility in North North Reno Mm -hmm. and they hire staff at $11 and they fucking, fucking charge them to have an organic meal in their canteen. Uh, um, I just think I just think a lot of what they and it you know I'm up, this is my personal I don't think a lot of the what they have it's just S H I T but there we go I'm not being totally grumpy and impolite <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you are I'm never um, going back again 
All right, there we go. Uh, please do. You're always welcome, Curtis. I see you as a friend of the show. Uh, Walter, what did you reckon? Uh, sure. I mean, minimalism is attractive right now because it's in trend. Uh, what like, He's mentioning Muji off the top there, that Japanese brand that sells organization tools and the boringest clothes in the world. And it's a style. And it's just like, that is the Japanese version of um, Normcore, which is the thing that the hipsters have been doing for a while now. It's, it's going to swing back. It's going to be all cat prints on everything. And, you know, the, the, what do they call it? The Canadian tuxedo, the whole like dungarees from top to bottom thing is coming back now. It, it, like fashion is a swinging thing, right? What I always found interesting is that people... Can we please skip the polyester leisure suits? Yeah. I'm sure it's coming back with some sort of anti-smell feature. <laughs> I think that's what killed polyester is that you smell so bad when you wear it. Um, they, I think what he's talking that's what, about... That's what my last girlfriend said. <laughs> <laughs> what he's talking about in this article is this idea that there's some, uh, there's some brands where you, um, you don't own the thing from the brand. Let's see, I'll, I'll quote him because that makes it more... Like he says, um, the artifact... Uh, is only an artifact. It's not the point. It's a souvenir of the point, right? So you're you're not buying a Louboutin pair of shoes because they're comfortable to wear. You're buying a Louboutin shoe not because it has a red sole. You're buying it because by wearing those shoes and people seeing the red sole, you are communicating something about yourself that you want people to know about you. Right. Same reason why kids buy um, bas- like eight hundred dollar basketball shoes and go to school with them. Right. That's like buying a Ferrari and using it to pull a pull a, a like a plow in your yard. It makes no sense. It's the wrong tool for the wrong job. Somebody but it's parked a Maserati on the street around the corner from me badly. I mean, like I might have parked it. It's parked so badly and left it outside for days. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, WTF, the sun here can destroy anything in about five minutes. It's, it's, a, it's a status thing. It's like you're, you're buying the basketball shoes because then you're part of the tribe, right? And you're buying the specific shoes of the specific player because then you feel closer to that player. And brands have done a fantastic job at making people feel like belonging to a specific tribe automatically make you a better person. And this taps into this whole idea of you can... Materialism is a very easy way for people to... It's like antidepressants a very crappy kind of antidepressant that makes you feel like you belong to something. Um, I'm reading a book right now. It's called um, Lost Connections about, it's a guy that's gone on a journey to try to figure out what depression is and why it's caused. And he has a whole chapter on this, um, on this idea that some depression is caused by this detachment from uh, what matters in life and this focus on materialism as a source of happiness. Um, And he talks about exactly the same thing, but from the other side of it to say that this tendency that we have to gravitate towards brands that either make us feel good or make us feel part of a tribe actually detracts from the realness of life because you're no longer trying to find your tribe. You're just trying to buy an Apple phone because the Apple phone makes you part of a group. But it doesn't actually make you part of the group. It just looks like it's making you part of the group. So it makes you unhappy because you get this fleeting part of like, oh, look, I have the new shoes. I have the new car. I have the new whatever. Oh, I'm so fancy because I have this thing and I spent a lot of money on it. And then 10 minutes later, you have to find the next thing to give you that same instant high. And then you just spend all your money. And this is a designed system. This is how uh, over, over 100 years psychology and marketing has worked together to figure out exactly how to hack people's brains into buying more crap, right? So like, yes, sure. He's don't get me started on the beauty every single yeah, like, from making people feel bad about themselves. Like what, what, it, it, one of the things that bothers me about reading things that Seth Godin talks about and, um, and uh, uh, Gary Vee talks about and all those people is that they are basically stating what psychology has known for the past 30 years as if it's some sort of revelation. And I understand why. It's because they are talking to an audience that isn't 
you know, in the family of a psychologist or hasn't studied psychology in great detail. But the reality is they're uncovering this. Psychologists discover these tendencies in people and say, this is bad. And then marketers go, oh, cool. We can hack into this and make people do things for us. Awesome. We're going to do that. And then, the, and then, you know, Seth Godin and all the other people come and say, here, it's this interesting phenomenon that happens where if you trick people into thinking that they will be better people by buying this product, they will buy the product. Interesting insight. And then all the people who read his blog go, oh, cool. How do we do this? Right? This is all malicious at the bottom of it. It's not intentionally malicious from Seth. It's malicious because this is, this is something that we know is bad for people. Yeah, I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying there. And you made some excellent points. And I agree with a lot of it. I just feel that sometimes you just take it a little bit too far, Morton. No, I don't. That's why you have it. That's all, yeah. Uh, I'm not right. taking it too far. This is this is all like I'm actually talking based on science here. This isn't me being crazy. This is literally. No, science. no so you, you, I didn't say that, did I? Uh, I just said you put. I was being very English. I just said you putting it a bit too far. Uh, um, as Sally would know, you know my my English terminology. Uh, um, um, but no, I, I do understand, and I do think that um, that thing. Kind of, I I have bought into the Apple ecosystem, and um, Curtis. That was spelled with a G, right? What? Sorry, you ecosystem. Ego, yeah, it's all right, ego. Uh, um, but kind of Curtis made a little video about him buying a, a, a Mac Mini and it might be his last one. See, I do watch your channel, see, Curtis. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> and I bought this laptop and um, I've got an iPhone. And but I like to think I bought it because I'm lazy now, and I just didn't want to buy a PC and have to change so much. A bit like what Curtis said in his video, um, and I kind of bought Max because I, I was looking at, I was prepared to pay something a bit extra, um, but I like the software and I like the Apple Store and being able to pop in, and it seemed a bit better made than. And I was going to keep it for six or seven years. I tend to try and buy things that I keep. I'm prepared to pay a premium price if it will last longer. So I like to think I'm not not buying something just because it's got some logo. I want to know the reasons, but I don't know if I'm kidding. Am I totally kidding myself, Spence? Well, probably because everybody is. Uh, we really delude ourselves about why we make purchasing decisions uh that's just uh, you know we we decide emotionally and then come up with uh, uh rational justifications for it um but uh you know i i think you haven't uh, looked far enough if you haven't found well-built uh, pc hardware i mean this machine is six years old now and, and still running well i have ordered a a new one from the same makers uh Oh, there you go. I'm really looking forward to its arrival. And you cannot get those specs in a Mac. Now, I did have to take out a mortgage to buy this freaking new Mac. So there we go. Um, what do you reckon, Spencer? Do you, um, I think branding, of, um, not the branding and the reasons that Morton explained. I do agree with a lot of what you said there. But I think also branding is just a shortcut for um, maybe getting things that you think you appreciate? Well, <laughs> I think it goes hand in hand. And if you, if you just take a look at what branding of those things that Seth Godin, you know, companies that Seth Godin refers to, refers to have done of late, the problem of being a brand is that that underlying psychological expectation kind of feeds into that relationship thing we were just talking about, which is when you have a brand like Apple, which I do think is a brand, it was a brand, it was a mantra and everything else. And now in the last five to six years, and I am a Mac user still, begrudgingly, they've just thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Now I feel worse about the brand than had they been like a Hyatt hotel and just like, uh, you know, it was a Dell. It was like just a hardware piece because now I feel like my best friend has become something, someone else. But the other part is historically, if you look at human nature and I think Martin is hilarious because I do agree with most of what he's saying, but like about the nefarious level of marketing, look at ancient Rome where they've dug up, you know, parts of towns and things that have been buried. Right. They see, People doing the same crazy shit that we do now. Like there's like toilets that have graffiti. Caesar has a small dick or something. I mean, 
people's weird behavior and responses are historical. We just, through civilizations, keep repeating them. In the medieval times, I'm sure there was like, hey, buy this rat catcher. It's really awesome and so forth. You know, we're just the latest incarnation. So I think the only thing that I love Seth Godin and I love the fact that he's always really like um, a grandfather of this whole marketing thing. But I think that his stories and tales may be evolving as a result of how fast things are moving in today's world. When I started reading Seth, things were old school TV, old school print, old school ads. And while his points are true, I think anybody who's not of our age doesn't respond the same way as people of our age. If you haven't been raised on TV commercials that you can still sing to this day from 1972, I don't think you give a shit about brand versus a product company. All you care about is what's in it for me today. And that's where we have this, like the thing we started today with like YouTube trying to annoy me until I give up and give them the money. They don't think like, oh, will you ever love us as a brand and as a thing? They're just like, we need the money today. Now, I also want to, I'm going to say something. Before it, I want to preface it by saying, I do, um, for all its craziness, there's part of me that does really love America. That's why I became a joint citizen, in a way. So I want to point out, listeners and viewers, because I think I've been a little bit American bashing during the show, but I'm going to do some more now. Uh, um, it's this, um, it's this um, franchise language, especially in the sports market, which seems to have, infiltrated the business because I was at a meeting last week at a medium size and they were talking about the franchise and it's like these um, American um, sports um, they like you know they move cities and uh, how can you move your fucking sports team to another city and what is it because in, in in Britain you know it'd be like Liverpool Football club moving from Liverpool. Jonathan, how many players on Liverpool are from Liverpool? I don't, I how many know. players on Liverpool are from UK at all? England or the rest of the UK? I mean, professional sports is nonsense. It's like Vancouver Canucks. There's like two people from Vancouver on that team. Right, and it's like it, none of professional sports makes any sense. But I'll, I'll say, but they're not going to move from Vancouver, are they? To this whole, to this whole. Well, the Vancouver Grizzlies moved somewhere else, so yeah, no, that oh. does happen. The the to this whole marketing thing. Think about this next time you go out and buy clothes. Specifically, why is it that you pay extra money to buy clothes that have the logo of the clothing brand on it? Notice this sweater I'm wearing now has no logos on it. I very specifically buy clothes that don't have logos on them because I'm not willing to pay extra money to be an advertising machine for a brand. But the reality is a lot of people will specifically buy clothes with brands on them or even buy fake clothes with the brands on them to make them part of a tribe. So it's next not- time you go out and buy clothes, actually think about it. Like, look at the thing and say, are, yeah, Martin, why are most of my clothes with a logo from- on it? charity shops. So, uh, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, but still, like, you know, I, I why is it that we buy clothes you that have to, advertising It's not just to be part of a tribe. It's to signal to all your peers and all the people around you that I can afford to buy these, like, expensive clothes. It's of course. The same, it's the same thing as grade school. Of course, My and that's, that's what I'm saying. Bought me designer jeans. Same. This thing. is this is a systemic problem with human beings, and this is something that we need to combat by changing our behavior. And reading a blog post about how well this works is not helping that situation. I see where you're coming from. All right, let's go for it. Let's wrap this this puppy up, and the chickens and the pigs and everything else I've been talking about. Um, let's go for the tips of the week. Uh, my tip of the week is Send in Blue. And what is Send in Blue? It's a, it's a marketing automation email company. They're French. I won't hold that against them. Uh, um, I, I love the French like the Americans. They, they, you know. uh, um, but I've been looking at it because um, it, it's impressive what they're offering. And it integrates, their plugin that integrates with WordPress is quite impressive. Go and have a look at it. It'll be in the show notes. Go to the WB.it website. Um, let's, let's start Morton. Morton, have you got a tip or something you want to share with the listeners and viewers? 
Yes, I have a book because apparently that's what everyone is doing. You should go read Lost Connections by Jonathan Hari. It's a good book about uh, what people are thinking around uh, the brain and uh, depression and how people are dealing with it in the modern world. Also, WP Rig beta version 2.0 beta was released earlier this week. So go check that out as well. And Curtis, have you got something you'd like to bring to the attention of our listeners and viewers? Uh-huh. I will bring Start, Love, Repeat, which is about, I guess, living with an entrepreneur. And it's good whether you are living with an entrepreneur or you are the entrepreneur, just to, just good advice to like keep your marriage strong. That's something that I think is very important. If you have business success and ruin everything else, then I still say you're a failure. So. Yeah, that, that was very wise, actually, Curtis. I'm impressed. Um, I would normally am with your, with your views. Um, John, um, got anything you're plugging you'd like to point out? No, so I got a book, and this uh, just came out this week. It's by Mike Montero of Mule Design, Another Renegade. Uh, and this book is called Ruined by Design, How Designers Destroyed the World and What We Can Do to Fix It. Uh, if you, I, have, it, it, I have this ordered right now. Uh, if you watched his uh, talk from Webstock a couple of years ago that was similarly titled, you would know right now ethics in technology and design and all aspects uh, of, of design is more important than ever. And a lot of people are abdicating their responsibility uh, by saying, well, I'm just, you know, uh, following what my boss says. I'm just following orders. And it's leading to the, the destruction of a lot of things. So uh, if you're a designer, or if you're involved in design in any way, uh, this book is an advocation to you know, take responsibility for what you put out into the world. Uh, we are the obeyed orders. Ah, so, sorry, that was terrible. Um, Spencer, um, got anything? Yeah. Um, surprisingly good thing for somebody who was listening to our discussions about whether WordPress implodes, React.js type interfaces, or how to do things in a new way for marketing with caching. We covered these topics before. Product that's been around for a while called Brizzy.io. What's interesting to me about it, I've been testing it, is it essentially solves many of those three problems in a way that folds into your WordPress ecosystem. It works as a free plugin that also allows you to have like typical page builder stuff, but it does things in a unique way because it also has a cloud-based service that lets you build landing pages there. And for any client that has a need for creating flows and checkout things and everything else, what it does kind of uniquely is it gracefully integrates and it gives you four ways to use the content. WordPress natively, you can connect your subdomain or domain to it. You can use their online domain. You can download an HTML file or you can download a file that is using Symfony that synchronizes the cloud thing to your display. So you kind of do with this product, merge all of those scenarios that those of us who service clients need. And it really emphasizes to me two possibilities. One is how very quickly it could be that this whole conversation about WordPress shifts to something else. Because once the interface and everything else disappears, if all you need is a framework and a solid you know, base to run stuff on, man, there's some cool stuff out there. And the second thing is that I'm a little more open-minded that not all the page builders for WordPress have to only live inside of, let's say, a, a post or a page template. They can do things a little differently. Yeah, I think you're right, Nate. I watched W um, from Adam from WP Crafty's recent um, um, uh, video. He did a review of it. And the functionality, I agreed with you, they're, um, they, they're doing some really interesting stuff. Um, my initial reaction, though, was, oh, God, another page builder. I can't go with it. Exactly, except when I actually got into it, and that's why everybody should check it out. When you actually use it, you realize how different it is. The mo most important difference is it is built by designer people who know what it's like to make something beautiful easily, whereas all the other ones, and I love Elementor, I think they're killing it. Uh, Divi is for whatever purposes, but... It's different. So it's worth checking out for anybody who's kind of like I was as well, like you said. Uh, and the thing that I'm using it for right now is to just do the landing pages as a flow for a client that break out all the other complications. Because when you can have the pages anywhere, essentially it's just like stacking dominoes and just connect A to B to C to D to E. And then, oh, by the way, there's a checkout link at the very end that goes to your WooCommerce site and takes the money. Ta-da. And it does it so fast that it avoids all the PHP of the WordPress core. So, 
Yeah, he's interesting. Sally, got anything? Uh, yes, it's it's the book week, apparently. Uh, yeah. I, am, I am reading Everyday Information Architecture by Lisa Maria Martin. It's from A Book Apart. Um, and uh, even if you have some knowledge of, uh, about this, it is worth getting the refresher. And I'm thinking about, you know, I should possibly have some of my clients read this because they like wonder why I badger them about actually structuring their endless content um, it, 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 to make it uh, easier for people to find things. Exactly. All right, then, um, Morton, how can people find out more about you or your views and what you're up to? It's definitely not Twitter, is it? You can find me on LinkedIn under my name, which is long and complicated. <laughs> Nobody goes to bloody LinkedIn. You're wasting your bloody time there. All right. Yeah, sure. uh, go back to Twitter, for God's sake. Uh, um, Curtis, how can people find out more about you? What are you up to? Uh, I'm Curtis McHale everywhere. CurtisMcHale.ca because I'm Canadian. So yeah, proud, you're proud of it, aren't you? I am. There you go. Oh, um, you should be. Canada is a civilized country. <laughs> it can be <laughs> compared to the U.S. I don't think that there's uh, very much doubt. Yeah, well, there we go. I even I uh, so. then you should have you seen the. Canada's going to build a wall YouTube video. Uh, <laughs> no, but I would like to. I will put it in chat. I know Morton's seen it. But All right, there we go. I'll, I'll, I'll put that in chat. John, how can people find out more about you, your thoughts, and what you're up to? You can find me at my website, which is lockdownseo.com. And also, I would encourage you, go to my YouTube channel. Uh, just search hashtag lockdownseo because I am publishing every single day on the daily today, right before this uh we started here. I published a video called Stop Crap on Google Maps. Would love to see you subscribe. Crap on Google Maps, yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, I'll go and look at that. That's, that's interesting, actually. Um, Spence, Uncle Spencer, how can people find out more about you? What are you up to? Yeah. Uh, if you're somebody who's struggling with the mechanics of building a successful membership site on WordPress using marketing automation, um, I'm over at WPLaunchify.com or on YouTube at WPLaunchify. You will not find me on Twitter, uh, probably never on Instagram, and very little anymore on Facebook. But I do have this button that lets you have a direct phone call with me for free. And I will take out my little book and make notes like it's 1972. Notes. Are you gonna, I keep calling you Uncle Spence. If I keep doing it, you're probably going to use it in your marketing at some stage, are you? I like that, yeah. If I can get a little icon on That's the... right. Talk with Uncle Spence. Talk with Uncle Spence. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's okay, lad. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Um, Sally, Sally, how can people find out more about you? What are you up to? You can actually find me on Twitter um, because I, I seem to have avoided most of the toxicity. Um, and... Uh, I am at Sally Getch on Twitter. If you can spell my name, you can find me uh, since I am uh, unique on the interwebs. Yeah, I've had a better day because our last one last week, you know, we changed the format because some some possible clients started swearing at me before the before. The, <laughs> uh, um, there we go. Uh, um, it's been a great show. Um, we've got another guest next week. Um, Lee Blue is going to be joining us next week as a guest panelist. It be interesting. Curtis, thank you for coming on the show. It's been a great blast. Hopefully you'll agree to come back on. Uh, and we'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.